0: Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to Peak Northwest An outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian, dedicated to the adventure and exploration
0: of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together, we are taking you to some of the most beautiful and interesting places throughout our region here in the Pacific Northwest. Discussing where to go, what to do, what to see, what not to do every now and again. Always important. And Jamie, today we're looking ahead to 2020, talking about some of the cool trips we have in store and offering tips on how to make some travel plans of your own. Because Jim, you and I are both
1: extremely organized when it comes to travel. You've seen my calendar. Oh yeah. Uh, I can only assume yours is similarly. It gets booked up. Yeah. Pretty quickly. We figured we'd offer up some of our organizational skills for those who may struggle with putting a big trip together. Um, we're going to get to some of that later on the podcast. But first, uh, I want to go over some of the travel plans I laid out in my Northwest travel guide, which just just, just published right? just published on New Year's Day. So that has a lot of different uh, ways uh, and ideas for people to find these different adventures and destinations around the Pacific Northwest.
0: Maybe some stuff you wouldn't think of all the time. So Jamie, before we dive into some of the specifics from your guide, walk through for listeners here, kind of the basic rundown of what this guide is and and why you put it together.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, one of my goals as a travel writer is to help people travel easier around the Northwest. So This guide is put together to talk about some of the different places that I've been to previously, some of the places that I'm going to, um, and some spots that seem like they're really up and coming and are good places to travel over the next year. So I talk about small towns, outdoor destinations, um, different lodging options, different kinds of attractions like museums or roadside attractions, and then just some broader road trips you can take to see a bunch of stuff on one bigger
0: journey. So if you can't find something on your Northwest Travel Guide, then... You probably can't find anything for it. You're looking at it cross-eyed. Yeah. You must be. There's something out there for everybody. (laughs) So, Jamie, I've read through what you have to offer, and we've talked a little bit beforehand, uh, before stepping into the studio here, about some of the things we wanted to talk about. But the one that struck me the most from your travel guide is your guide to alien landscapes, Oregon's alien landscapes. Say that 10 times fast, but... What's the basis here uh, of the landscapes bit?
1: This is a post I put together in 2019. Um, I just traveling around these different parts of Oregon, you see these landscapes that look like they're from another planet. Yeah, right. And th- that always really struck me is like, wow, this not only does it seem like this is not what I think of when I think of Oregon, but this is like not what I think of when I think of planet Earth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's an example? The, the painted hills are the first ones yeah, that come sure. to mind, right? I mean, those who have not seen the Painted Hills, I mean, they are literally hills that look like they're painted with bands of (laughs) color. My my
0: goodness, what a creative name, the Painted (laughs) Hills,
1: yeah. Um, It just looks like nothing else you've seen before. Um, And nearby the Painted Hills is a place called Blue Basin, which is a blue claystone basin. Hmm. And the color blue is like nothing you've seen. And within that blue claystone, there are literally fossils of ancient animals that no longer exist, like toad horses cats that aren't cats but are kind of cats you know Hmm, i don't (laughs) and neither do i and that's part of the beautiful mystery of blue basin um but then you also have spots like um the oregon dunes Uh um, which are a really really beautiful place um it, it gives you that kind of that sweeping desert vibe um right next to the coast and they actually were the inspiration for the planet Arrakis in the book series dune i had no idea Yeah, that so, and that movie is going to be coming out at the end of 2020.
0: So, kind of a cool teaser, if you will. Go visit, go visit, get a a feel for the place before uh, it
1: becomes a cultural phenomenon, and everyone's going to the dunes.
0: It's a great place to be. You do a little sandboarding. Is that what they call it? You can do sandboarding, sandboarding out there. Sandboarding. That yeah. would be cool. Run down the dunes. I have some fond childhood memories of kind of, you know, you slog your way up and then just get to the top and you start trotting down and <laughs> slowly, slowly you're elongating your strides to about as far as they can go. And of course, eventually take a tumble or yeah. two. But, you're just tumbling down. Oh yeah. That, <laughs> that That is what I associate with the dunes right there. The
1: dunes are also on on this travel guide as just an outdoors uh, experience to take. I believe so much in the dunes as an attraction because it it really does transport you to a place like no other. I mean, sure, you go to the coast, and there is usually a head dune um, before you get to the beach. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're talking these giant mounds of shifting sand, and just the the, the way that they curve— And the way that the sand Mm -hmm. is, the wind carves those hills is like nothing else. It's like art. It's like sculpture.
0: It really is. I grew up in Michigan, and we have some spectacular dunes out there, which I kind of referred to a moment ago with the running experiences and Mm -hmm. all that. That's a childhood memory. For sure. You're on the Great Lakes and whatnot, and just these sweeping views with gorgeous mountains of sand. It's kind of, like you said earlier, otherworldly, completely different than kind of what you normally equate with what Oregon looks like. You know, lush forests, big mountains. Oh yeah. And these sand dunes that are really something else. Yeah. It really kind of reveals
1: this Western Oregon bias that we tend to fall into. Mm-hmm. Those of us who live in the Willamette Valley, associate Oregon with rain and with big forests and with waterfalls and rivers. And as our Eastern Oregonian friends will remind us, there is a whole other state out there that looks nothing like that. Yep. So this is the the alien landscape is kind of an attempt also to get people to go out of their comfort zone and explore some places that look like nothing else they've ever expected. And
0: you, this isn't a list that already existed somewhere of all these alien landscapes. You compiled this based on your travels throughout the region. Exactly. Yeah. And, what are maybe one or two more that, that folks should take a gander at? The Oregon Caves is a good one. I have um, yet to yet to go, and that's kind of a disappointment, actually.
1: Well, it's, it's kind of hard to get out there. I mean, it's a long, it's winding a slog, drive yeah. from Cave Junction in southern Oregon, and you can only go at a certain time of year in order to get a guided tour of the cave. Um, but once you do, it is this ancient, ancient marble cave. There's these fascinating formations that look, I mean, like nothing else you can imagine that are caused just by drip by drip. They were created over millions of years. We're so used to seeing these grand landscapes that, yeah. that make us feel small. But the organ Caves make us feel small in a different way hmm. in, a, in a way of time. Hmm. We feel like how young and um,
0: short the present is. You know what I mean? I get the idea, but I have to go and, and feel it myself. You got to go feel. feel it for yourself. Exactly. All right. That's a good one. What's one more from the list? What's another alien landscape here?
1: I, just sort of generally speaking, tide pools mm-hmm. are a great spot mm-hmm. to see some of that crazy alien life. If you haven't, you know...
0: You know Wait, alien life here in
1: Oregon? Alien oh, life. Man. Not actual I alien know, life, right? But um, when you look at those uh, anemones or you look at the urchins, yeah. they're, I mean, they look like something you, out of out otherworldly of, again yeah. exactly yeah. um with their tentacles and you know the way they exist in both um wet weather and or wet landscapes and dry landscapes and they kind of they, they live that life on the edge of the tide where they're you know uncovered and they're covered with water and they have to survive in both mm-hmm. it's i mean that's something that we're not used to um as land creatures yeah and water creatures aren't used to that either. So they exist in this, this really interesting spot in between that I find Very fascinating.
0: Cool. So you also have in this travel guide a number of small towns to visit, places to go, road trips to take. Maybe shout out a couple of highlights.
1: One of the small towns that I visited this past year that I am recommending folks to check out this year is Walla Walla. Not in Oregon, up in Washington. Um, okay. It is known for its wine these that's, days.
0: That's how I know of Walla Walla, right. aside from its awesome name, of course. Right. It,
1: yeah, before the wine, it was known for Sweet Onions and its correctional facility. Um,
0: great things to
1: be known for. Apparently. <laughs> the onions are great. No, the onions are great. Love a sweet onion.
0: Yeah. No, I
1: also love a sweet onion. Every sure. time Burgerville brings those Walla Walla Sweet Onions. Everyone's loving that. Oh, my God. It, it's
0: just basically unanimous, right?
1: Yeah. But you go to town there, and it is, the wine scene there has really exploded, hmm. and it's transformed the town into a really nice tourist hub. Where I mean, as a result of all the wineries and the money coming in for that, yeah. you have a lot of really good restaurants um, and a lot of really good museums and attractions. Mm.
0: Museums and attractions. So what's an example of, of what's to offer there?
1: Um, I mean, there's uh, some really great historical museums, okay. um, but one of the most interesting ones and certainly mo- maybe one of the most unique museums in the Pacific Northwest is this place called the Museum of Unnatural History. Ooh. And it is essentially this old artist who's, I believe he's in his 80s now, who um, does Dada art, Huh. which is this very surrealistic, mm-hmm. um, sort of nihilistic art style. And he, it's one reviewer on Yelp described it as a perverted old man's garbage. Oh. And I went and talked to the guy about it. And he's like, old? <laughs> ah, be really bristled at that. But it is just this fascinating display of the inner workings of this guy's mind. And huh. it's open like four hours a day, once a week. Okay.
0: So you really have to time your visit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just one of those, uni- those unique little places you huh. find. I love going to small towns for that reason.
0: Well, it's part of your job is to kind of find these cool, maybe kitschy in some ways, maybe appealing to everybody uh, in other places, but to find kind of these places that are welcoming to a traveler, to someone Mm -hmm. who maybe reads this guide, listens to this podcast. Where should we go if we're in Walla Walla other than the museums?
1: There are a lot of really cool outdoor spots near Walla Walla too. Um, One of my favorites was a spot called um, Twin Sisters, and it's this rock formation um, that has these two spires, Hmm. and it's out in the desert hills just above the Columbia River. So when you're hiking, you hike up hill to the base of this rock formation, and from there you can look down on this really beautiful sweeping curve of the Columbia. Hmm. And when I was there, it was in late summer, and so all the fields were golden. Oh wow! And it was kind of this golden yellow hills with the bright blue of the Columbia and this dark rock formation. It was just a really cool spot. Sounds
0: great. Yeah. Before we move on, give me a road trip. What's your favorite on your list here? If you had to pick one and only one, you know the alien landscapes was a
1: road trip that I had okay. on there, but we okay. can't do
0: that. I we just talked about okay. it. Okay, yeah, yeah. We um, that. I,
1: one, another one I did that was interesting. Um, I, this is another post I wrote last year. Was uh, a road trip going to various Lewis and Clark destinations.
0: Hmm. That would be cool.
1: Yeah. So I mean, of course, they came from you know middle of America, but following their their route through Washington and Oregon. You can go to a lot of different museums, a lot of different um, natural sites. Of course, the the museum out there in in Astoria is wonderful, the National Mm -hmm. Historical Park there, and uh, various places in the Columbia River Gorge. It's just a really cool spot if you're into that kind of history to follow that trail and see a bunch of historical and natural sites.
0: Not one that I probably would have thought to chart myself, but would be a really cool way to learn more about the history of this place. Exactly. I like it. So Jamie, we are going to talk a little bit more about tips and tricks for booking campsites, making reservations, charting your travel plans for 2020, right after a short break. So we are back talking about our 2020 travel plans, maybe how to make some reservations, how to chart your next big trip. Jamie, you wade through this for your job
1: every oh, yeah. week. Oh, you're, yeah.
0: you're making reservations way in advance. You're buying the right passes to make sure that you can legally be out on the trails you want to be on. Let's first start with some of the logistics here on how to book Let's say a place at a popular state park campground here in Oregon. It's competitive stuff, and you probably want to hop on it right about now.
1: Yeah, especially if you're trying to book for the summertime. Yeah, I'm sure, as you know, too, traveling out in the summer on holiday weekends or even just the weekdays in the summer, it can get really busy really fast.
0: And if you don't have a spot ahead of time, you might get burned and end up... A little less happy with your accommodations than you hoped.
1: Yeah, and I I hear people talking about this all the time. Well, I'm going to roll up to a state park and just find a spot, and it doesn't work like that. They, they when they said we say they book up, they book up full. So you have, if you're going to book a site online, you have or on the phone, you have nine months in advance of your first night stay. You can book that far
0: out. So at this point, you have essentially all summer. Yeah, basically.
1: So right now, I mean, you can book as far as. Labor Day from the beginning of January. If I'm doing that math correct, and that opens when you're when you're doing that, that opens at midnight. So we're talking about midnight, the day of nine months in advance. You can book that far out in advance.
0: So in other words, if you're not already thinking about your travel plans, maybe where you want to stay for this coming summer, let's say you might want to set aside an hour or two and chart that out right now Do because it now. <laughs> you can be rewarded later this summer when maybe you score that perfect site on the coast or something like that well it's easy
1: to think like oh i don't need to think about my fourth of july plans now because it's you, winter I mean,
0: you don't in the grand scheme of things it's sure. a ridiculous thing to be thinking about but if you want that nice place to stay maybe a yurt maybe a campsite maybe even in some super popular places a hotel or motel you mm-hmm. probably need to get moving on that I guarantee
1: you that there are campsites on the coast that are near booked up, if not booked up already for those holiday weekends in the summer.
0: I mean, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So moral of that story is get after it, get online. You can do the state parks booking online, right? And you can do it over the phone as well. Yeah. So any specific tips other than get after it right now? That's the tip. That's That's the the main one. Get moving. Get
1: on top and get your stuff together. And the same system works for the the Forest Service. I mean, a lot of Forest Service campgrounds are first-come, first-served. Walk-in style. Exactly. But there are reservable sites for the more popular campgrounds. And it operates about the same as the state parks do. It's just six months in advance. Six months. And they open at 7 a.m. Pacific time instead of midnight.
0: So... One experience recently that I've had with that is booking a fire lookout through recreation.gov. Oh, yeah. And that's that same process, opens at 7 a.m., six months in advance. And I was trying to book one of those lookouts for our companion video series so we can go ski in or snowshoe in in the middle of the winter and have just kind of a cozy night up there in the Mount Hood Forest. And I knew that it would be competitive. It's easy to get frustrated because all I want is a Saturday night in this fire lookout in the middle of the winter. How many people want to be out here in the middle of the winter? <laughs> and apparently it's a fair number of people who want to be out in the middle of the winter because it, it took me a little bit to be able to book one of the fire lookouts that I was looking for. But it's the same process for mm-hmm. that coveted campsite or any of those other properties that are managed through recreation.gov, kind of that government uh, repository for bookings. Word of the wise is, again, get on it right now. I I, I, I think folks are going to sense the theme here. Yeah,
1: and I'm glad you mentioned fire lookouts because those have really exploded in popularity. And with something like that, all it takes is one other person with the same idea who's a little bit faster than you and your vacation is shot.
0: I mean, we're talking waiting for 7 a.m. to come through and click at 7 a.m. and three seconds. Someone happened to get it at 7 a.m. and two seconds. And, you know, that's how it goes. So flexibility would also be a name of the game.
1: It's also worth noting that even if you get a Fire Lookout, things can happen. I had this Ah, experience. Jamie,
0: yes, this happened to you. A couple years ago, Yeah, yeah, where
1: I played the game right. And I booked it and I was so excited to finally book a fire lookout. And they emailed me a couple months later and said, oh, there's been some issues with the fire lookout. We need to do some maintenance. Mm. In that time you scheduled, we have to cancel your reservation.
0: Not fun. No, super. Not fun. But,
1: but you have to understand, I mean, these yeah. are, these structures are on the top of mountains <laughs> a yeah. lot of
0: times. Very harsh environments at They're the old. least.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's hard to maintain those and it, it just makes it even more difficult to get a reservation for
0: them. So there are many things throughout the Northwest you need to get a reservation for that fire lookout, that awesome campsite, whatever it may be. There are also any number of opportunities where you can drop in and have an awesome day, maybe even awesome night stay just by showing up. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that you need to have for a lot of recreation, at least in the outdoors here in the Northwest is some sort of either annual pass or day pass, some kind of permit. Jamie, can you walk us through a little bit of what the different options are for anyone who's maybe, you know what, it's January, I'm just gonna renew and buy a pass right now so I don't have to worry about it all year.
1: It's a great time of year to do it. I always make sure I get an Oregon State Parks Pass. Those are $30 for a year or $50 for two years. And not every Oregon State Park makes you pay a day use fee, but a lot of the big ones do. Smith Rock, Fort Stevens, and that's $5 a day. And if you're going to a few of those in a year, that's going to pay for itself. Um, the same deal for Washington State Parks. It's $30 for a year, and that's an even better deal because every Washington State Park charges a $10 parking fee. Yep. So three of those in a year, and you've paid it off. Of course, there's also the Northwest Forest Pass. For all that Forest Service land, so when you're going hiking in the gorge, for example, or in Mount Hood, that's forest land. You've got to have a forest pass. And instead of paying $5 a day to do that, again, $30 gets you a one-year pass, and you're good. Yep. Of course, Jim, now you, before we started talking, turned me on to the America the Beautiful Pass.
0: Yeah. And that's an interagency pass for all federal, or at least the vast, vast majority of federal land. And that is 80 bucks a year, which I think is Mm -hmm. one of the best deals in the outdoors at all. Because let's say your Northwest Forest Pass, you said it's it's $30. And let's say it's 30 to 35 bucks to get into a national park of your choice. Mm -hmm. So you go hiking one time on Forest Service land and go to one national park, and you're pretty close to paying the fee for your interagency America the Beautiful Pass in the first place. You do maybe a third hike or a second national park, any number of combinations, and you pay that thing off really quickly. It doesn't get you into state parks, but it gets you into most everything else. So I always put my vote toward that, plus maybe getting a state parks pass too.
1: I think that combination is the best way to do it. Yeah. And especially worth noting for the national parks, I mean, Crater Lake has been upping its, its entry fee yeah. every year for the last few years, where on um, effective January 1st, it's now going to cost $30 instead of $25 to get into Crater Lake. So it's even more incentive to get one of those annual passes. Yep.
0: Yeah. If you go to Crater Lake twice over the course of maybe two different trips throughout the summer, 60 bucks right there for 20 more, you can have yourself a pass to any national park anywhere in the country for 20 bucks more that's not it. bad yeah. yeah pretty reasonable um so jamie one thing you we're talking things that are new in the oregon outdoors this year one of the biggest changes or maybe the biggest change in the outdoors is a new permitting system that is working its way through kind of public approval or or agency approval, whatever the process actually may be, but a backpacking permit system or a hiking permit system for the Central Oregon Cascades. What can you tell us about what's happening on that front? Yeah, that is
1: looking like it's about to be approved um, around the start of this year. What's going to happen is a lot of those hiking trails that were free around Mount Jefferson, Three Sisters, a lot of that area in the Central Cascades is now going to be um, $3 for day hiker and $5 for a backpacker. Um, with, I think, an extra dollar processing fee when you buy those. They're pretty small fees, but it does mean that hikes that were once free are now going to cost money. And in addition to that, they're limiting the number of permits that are available. So I mean, this whole idea was to try to stem the number of people who are coming through these areas and you know, doing damage to the trails or trashing them, that kind of thing.
0: Or simply overrunning them with visitors exactly it's too busy
1: so this is really an effort to cut back on that and help protect some of these natural areas
0: and also if i understand it correctly direct people to go elsewhere too to maybe say you know what my the hike that i really wanted to do this weekend the quota is already full i'm going to go do something else instead
1: that's exactly the approach i think people should be taking to this especially if you've if you've hiked mount jefferson before or you've hiked three sisters before consider going somewhere else instead. And I get the idea of wanting to have maybe your annual pilgrimage to your favorite trail, but there's so many great places to hike in the central cascades and there's two wilderness areas that are not going in this permitting system. That's the diamond peak wilderness and the Waldo Lake wilderness. And those are a couple of beautiful areas that you can hike around for, for free, get your free permit and there's no limits on that. So it's an opportunity to maybe check out some of those places that maybe you didn't think about before and just broadening your horizons. I really do feel like this is a win-win for most people Mm. in the state.
0: Good to know, Jamie. So you had one more tip that you wanted to lay on us here before we move on? That's right. One thing to consider
1: when you're making your travel plans ahead is big events that happen in these small towns you
0: go to. Mm, That's a good one.
1: There's a few things that, that happen, like say the Festival of Dark Arts in Astoria, which is February 15th. That town books up for that. And you might not think about that. Chief Joseph Days in Joseph, Oregon, and last week in July. The Pendleton Roundup, which we talked about in a previous podcast. Previous
0: podcast.
1: Second full week in September. If you're making travel plans for those times of year, you want to just check out the local events calendar and not be surprised when hotels are really tough to book. Or if you do manage to book one, you're not surprised when you get to town and it's a complete madhouse. Yeah.
0: Maybe if that's not something you want to be a part of, maybe book a different weekend. Exactly. Or if it's something you want to be a part of, book it that weekend, but do it far in advance. So, Jamie, what is it that you do want to be a part of in 2020? What's on your calendar? Oh, I've got
1: all kinds of stuff, Jim. I've got a nice little Google map that's color-coordinated. Oh, with my little gosh.
0: Uh, you referenced at the beginning of the show how <laughs> organized you are. I, I don't know that I have another traveler in my life who is as organized as you. But then again, it is your job. Thanks, Jim. Yeah,
1: you know, it is. I'll probably, you know, at some point tweet out a little uh, image of this map because it, I don't know, it's just so delightful from an organizational (laughs) standpoint. I'm looking at doing a a few different things um, that I haven't gotten to in Oregon that I've always wanted to. The Owyhee Canyon Lands is one that I'm really excited about. And that is, um, again, in the southeast corner of the state. A beautiful spot of these canyons along the river there. And it's pretty remote and takes a little bit of careful planning in terms of carrying water and planning everything out. But it's one of those spots like I just got to get to.
0: Hmm. That sounds great. I've heard great things actually about that corner, but haven't made the trip myself. So neither have I. It's time for a report back then. Exactly.
1: I'm also going to do a trip uh, in February that I'm excited about. I'm going to go down to southern Oregon to the Klamath Falls area, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do one day hanging out with the bald eagles down at the Lower Klamath National Wildlife Refuge in northern California there across the border. Every February, the eagles come and they flock there by literally the hundreds to feed on the waterfowl that are still around. And so I've done it once before. I've driven through that area, the refuge, and you can see them literally lining the roads. Wow. These bald eagles. It's fabulous. That sounds amazing. And the next day I'm going to go up and do a little snowshoeing at Crater Lake. Ooh,
0: there we go. might as well. That Uh, sounds fantastic. Yeah. Crater Lake in the winter or spring. When are you going to go? It's going to be in in the end of winter um, in sort of late February. I like that. That's the plan. I like that. That sounds like a great time.
1: And the other one I'm really looking forward to is uh, backpacking the Olympic Coast.
0: Ooh. Something I've always wanted to do and haven't done. I've done a little taste of that. I went into Shai Shai Beach a couple of years ago, and kind of the fog rolled in or the clouds rolled in late at night, burned off in the morning, and kind of got the best of both worlds. But it was really cool that night looking down the coastline and seeing just fires, and that was it. You, know, you can have a little fire on the oh, beach. yeah. And the beach was very busy, of course, but you couldn't tell other than just folks, you know, having made their little campfires. It was something else.
1: There's something about that. I mean, yeah. I love backpacking and I feel like we always go backpacking in the forest here in mm-hmm. Oregon. I've done a couple backpacking trips on the coast down in California. Um, this is such a cool part of the, the Northwest coast that I just can't wait to get to.
0: Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I think so. Well Jim, I know that you've of course got a bunch of stuff going on. What do you have planned for 2020?
0: So I am making a concerted effort this year. Mark my words, Jamie, I'm trying Marking to it. not fill up the calendar so far in advance where I don't have any wiggle room <laughs> to fit in other fun things that come up. So this summer I had a great summer. We've talked about, you know, our twenty nineteen Round up in our last podcast, did all sorts of great stuff, but didn't have a lot of room to hop on whatever came across my radar a couple weeks before, let's say. So I'm trying to set one big trip each quarter of the year, one big trip each season, put that on the calendar, get excited about it, and not fill up the rest, mm-hmm. allow myself a little bit more flexibility. So the one trip that I do have on the books is... My first big kind of prolonged ski trip of my life, going out to Sun Valley, Idaho, going to get a cabin or a condo and stay with a couple of friends and my my partner and I, and we're going to do a lot of skiing. And I'm really looking forward to that because I've always been more of a local resort pass holder type of guy where I go a lot at one or two places and then maybe go on one weekend trip a year somewhere else, one or two. And so this is going to be my first kind of prolonged uh, stay away from home uh, for longer than a weekend. So that's going to be really good. Seems like heaven for you, Jim. Um, I hope so. Pray for snow, right? Something Uh, like that. But beyond that, I don't have a lot of specifics on the books, uh, but I do want to get in kind of that one bigger trip uh, each quarter. And bigger doesn't have to be a a grand scale, but just Mm -hmm. something to look forward to, to plan, to do, and then look back on and think, was a trip worth taking?
1: I think that's important too. As we're talking about planning for 2020 trips, you really have to not put expectations on yourself for making a grand adventure. Yeah. Adventure is whatever you make of it.
0: For sure. Right. It can so, be in
1: Forest Park. Exactly. You know, like we were talking um, with Amy Wong in the last episode mm-hmm. of that, an adventure can be finding a new spot in your neighborhood. For sure. A really great trip can be going to just uh, having dinner at a, at a familiar place with a friend. Just making sure you, you set out that right intention to enjoy it and enjoy it no matter, no matter what happens. If it's raining, hey, what a cool opportunity to experience this place in the rain. If it's sunny, how beautiful it is here. And keeping that open, you can you can make any trip be uh, a beautiful experience.
0: I like that. That's a good mentality to bring into the new year. That's
1: it. So, w- what's a trip or two that you're excited about outside of work? Yeah, I do travel outside of work. I guess that's a, true. a time or two. Yeah. One I'm, I'm psyched about is I'm going to up to Banff with Ooh. my family, my whole family. We're going to pack into a van with my sister and her three kids and my recently retired parents and we're wow. going to drive up to Banff
0: that sounds amazing
1: yeah I'm really psyched I I, you, I know you went to Banff I recently
0: did. I did yep so, summer of 2019 went up there and had a blast we don't need to go into all of that right now, but it got a solid, I've, I've got two thumbs up right here, two thumbs up rating.
1: That's that's what I'm super psyched about. Um, yeah. I'm also looking forward to a trip to Santa Fe. I'm going to try to Ooh. put together in the fall.
0: That sounds great. Yeah. Love that desert that vibe in great. Santa Fe. It sounds like your neck of the woods right there. I was that's at it. one point your, your neck of the woods, right?
1: Uh, yeah. I used to live in Farmington, New Mexico for eight, eight months. Eight months. Yeah. A L- little bit. A little a little brief blippet of my life.
0: And you've also talked about going down to Death Valley. Am I right on that? I'm thinking about that. Yeah, that's one of those trips that I've, I'm
1: kind of wavering on right now. Just, you know, it's an easy one to, to plan because flights to Las Vegas are pretty Very cheap. Very cheap. And camping in Death Valley is free. It just is a matter of getting a rental car and driving out there. So I'm kind of saving that as a possible spontaneous sure. trip to do in March if
0: I have the time and I can make it work. Yeah, it's a good one to keep in the back for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Jim, I mean, I know you've got all these adventures for your Peak Northwest, the video series. Mm, Yeah. Um, Do you have any big shoots on the books for that?
0: I actually only have one set in stone right now. And I've referenced it before, but going up into the Mount Hood National Forest and staying in a fire lookout, which I'm super excited about. It's going to be great, hopefully cozy, hopefully some decent weather. Maybe even if it's storming, that'll be just fine. A little different experience, hunkered down up in this old fire lookout and uh hopefully make a cool video about what that what that experience is like um beyond that i don't have anything set in stone so wouldn't want to tip my cap in the wrong direction if that's even a <laughs> phrase that people say never tip uh, your
1: cap in the wrong direction
0: never do it that's never do be it we, our,
1: our new motto oh, man
0: if we've always needed <laughs> one, so that's that's a good one to have but yeah just looking forward to uh getting up in that fire lookout and uh charting another number of adventures here for the video series in 2020 i don't know about you jim but 2020 is looking pretty good to me pretty good so far and i, I think As far as our podcasting goes, we should stop while we're ahead. Wrap things up for the day. Probably right, Jim. Probably right. So all that said, that's going to do it for us this week. You can subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts. Watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode was produced by myself, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Dave Killen. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next
1: time, we leave you with this 10 Seconds of Zen.